Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our podcast with others. Now, we take you to the pulpit of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. Let's go to God in prayer before we jump into our lesson this morning. God, I just thank you for the chance that we have to be with each other, the chance that we have to allow our spirits to be united. Uh, They've been united through song this morning, God. They've been united through prayer. We've been united through communion. And we are so grateful for the purity of the unity that exists through your spirit. May we never take that for granted. God, now as we come to this time that we study from your word, allow our thoughts to be your thoughts, our will to be your will. Open our hearts, God. Convict us. Allow your spirit to move within us. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So we've been journeying through the book of Acts together, and we've seen some great things. We've seen how the the church really kind of started out as a small group of 120 individuals in an upper room together, praying with one another for the presence of God to come upon them. And he did through the power of the Holy Spirit. That small group of 120, as you read through the rest of chapter 2 and into chapter 3 and chapter 4, before you know it, this small group turns into a mega church in the city of Jerusalem. And they are on fire for God. They're doing things that had never been done. They're teaching things in honesty that had never been taught. Things that were hard to grasp for some people. Things that were difficult for people to process. When you've been told your whole life for, for thousands of years that you are God's favorite people and no one will ever supersede you. And then all of a sudden you have these apostles coming in and saying, I know that's the way it used to be, but it's not that way anymore. I can see how it would be difficult for the Jewish people to believe that was, which was being preached. But people were grabbing on. People were following the Savior, Jesus. And they were being baptized. And they were having their sins washed away. And they were being added to this great and amazing body. And everything is going on great and fine. And then all of a sudden, Peter and John are kind of caught by the the leaders of the day and kind of given a slap on the wrist and told, hey, you need to quit doing what you're doing. And then they end up going back to their safe place that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. And they got together and they started praying about things together. And that gave them even more passion, even more energy, and a greater ability to go out and spread the good news of Jesus. Some people wanted to be a part of this, but they wanted to be a part of it on their own terms. They wanted to come to Jesus, but they wanted to get credit for the things that they were doing. And in chapter 5... We see a little bit of that with Ananias and Sapphira. We know that story very well, many of us. They had seen the reaction of of people coming and selling their property and bringing things and laying them at the feet of Jesus, or the feet of the apostles, rather. And they wanted to do the same thing, but they wanted to do it in a way that gave themselves the power, the glory, the honor. And they did that, and they were struck down for the for the the lying that they did because they didn't give what they said they gave. They didn't do it for the right reasons. Their heart was not in the right place. And from that story, we kind of pick up in verse 12 of chapter 5. 
and we see this church now. They've, they've had some, some success. They've had a little bit of challenge, but not a whole lot of challenge. But in, in the rest of chapter 5, we're going to see them face really and truly their biggest dilemma and what God has in store for them as they face it and how God chooses to address it with them. But first, let's, let's pick back up with what we read this morning in our scripture reading. I believe it's a very powerful passage, one of those snapshot passages that you get throughout the book of Acts of the status of this early group of Christians. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. All the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. But let's stop right there for a second. Let's, let's dig into this. Well, what I think in our lesson today is maybe the most powerful part of this passage and what we really need to be as a church. You know, Jesus set the, the, the area on fire, and in a lot of ways it wasn't just his teaching, but it was the healing that was taking place. That's what got people's attention. When you brought someone to Jesus and, they, and he healed them, all of a sudden you're going to listen. Now imagine for just a moment, you've got one guy that's going throughout the region doing this. Now all of a sudden, you've got 12 men who have the capability of doing this healing. So you're able to do a lot more. You're able to get a lot more people's attention. And people were listening. People were seeing. People were paying attention. They knew that if they brought their sick, their 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 tormented people, their friends, their neighbors who needed this healing, if they brought them to these apostles, and some of them said they were just waiting for Peter's shadow to fall across them so they could be healed, they knew if they came to this church, to these Christians, to these group of believers, that their problems, their problems would be dealt with. Their sicknesses would be healed. Let me ask you something. As we look around in our society today, as we look in our culture, would you agree with me to say that the culture in America is sick? Would you agree with me when I said the culture in America needs to be healed? Why are we so sick as a nation? Why do we exalt sin and put sin on a pedestal and say this is what we need to be like? We need to strive to be this inclusive. We need to strive to be this tolerant. We need to just welcome everybody and anybody despite their differences and just let them be who they are. We, we take sin in our country and we say this is what we should be. It's a sickness. It's a cancer. And it's killing our country day by day. I think one of the reasons, I think one of the reasons that our country has gotten to the point that it is in now is because as a church, we've quit being a place where people can come and be healed. 
We've quit being a place where people can feel comfortable with their problems, with their issues, with their struggles, with their spiritual sickness. We've created a place where it's intimidating to walk into a room of people that we think may look like they've got it all together. They look perfect when they walk into the building. I don't know about you. But there's been times on Sunday morning that I've been guilty of putting on my church mask, putting on my preacher's face. Has anybody ever put their church mask on before as they walked in the building? You know what I'm talking about? You're, you're riding to church in, in the morning and you've got three screaming kids in the back and you've just read them the rights. You know, you have just told them that if they don't behave when they get home, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. You know, husbands and wives, they fuss together sometimes on the way to church on Sunday morning. And you walk in those doors. How are you this morning? Oh, I'm just wonderful. How's your morning been? Oh, it's just been great. Look at these angels of kids that I have. Anybody ever put their church mask on before? What happens if we walk in on a Sunday morning and someone goes, How are you doing today? And you go, I'm struggling. I made the mistake one time. There's this lady growing up back in Savannah. Her name was Carolyn Cronk. And I was at the barbecue restaurant in, in, in town one day, saw Miss Carolyn, had not talked to her in a while. I really enjoyed Miss Carolyn's conversation a, a lot of times. But I sat down beside her. She owned the restaurant. And I sat down beside her and I go, Miss Carolyn, I said, how are you today? And by nature, we're just expecting someone to say what? I'm fine. How are you? Miss Carolyn sat there and talked to me for 30 minutes about all of her problems. My granddaddy and I went back to this restaurant two or three days later. And he goes, there's Carolyn Crunk. I've not seen her at church in a while. I'm going to ask her how she's doing. I said, I'll see you back at the house. (laughs) What if we became a church of just real people? What if we became a church of just real people that when we walked in the doors, it wasn't about putting our church mask on. It was just about being real. And when someone asks you, hey, how are you doing today? And you go, man, I'm, listen, it was, it was a struggle. It was a struggle getting everybody here this morning. And that person goes, hey, it's going to be okay. Let's just pray together about it. And we took people where they were And we wrapped our arms around them. We covered them with the love of God. And we didn't care what shape they were in when they walked in the door. We're more concerned of making sure they're in a better place when they left. What if we were a church that cared less about how we looked on Sunday morning and more about how we loved on Sunday mornings? Wouldn't that be an amazing thing? You know, if we were a church that was that focused on love, this room would not hold the people that would show up on Sunday morning. Because as sick as our country is, I've also learned that our country is hurting for people to just love them. You see, we need to be a place like the home in Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, we always focused on the things that the prodigal son did, but one of the things the prodigal son did is he never forgot that there was a home that he could go back to. 
There was a home he could go back to. If we want to reach lost people, if we want to reach people who have left and try to get them to come back, then we need to create a home in which they would desire to come home to. And I see in these first few verses of our text this morning that what we need to be as a church is a healing church. A church where people can bring their spiritual burdens, their spiritual pains, their frustrations, their agonies, and they can walk in that door and they can know we're going to help them be healed. That's the type of church that we've got to become. That's the type of church that grows in the kingdom. That's the type of church that God expects us to be because I guarantee you this morning not a single one of you as hard as you may try to get everybody to think this you don't have it all together neither do I so let's just quit pretending that we do that's such a powerful thing from the very beginning of this text now the story kind of shifts there's this there's this healing church that's going on Okay, and, and they're doing it in miraculous ways, okay? And, and uh, let's go on to verse 17. Then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They were filled with jealousy. It consumed them. They, they, they couldn't quit thinking about it. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the door of the jail and brought them out. Go and stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. First off, these religious leaders were looking around seeing all this attention the apostles were getting, the power that they had, and they were jealous, and it consumed them, and they were going to do whatever it took to make it stop. So the first go around, the first go around, they arrest Peter and John, and they say, hey, slap on the wrist, don't do this again. The next time they arrest all these apostles, and they throw them where? They throw them in jail. That'll teach them, right? That'll teach them. No, it empowered them. Why did it empower them? Because an angel of the Lord shows up and unlocks the door. Now, how many of us, how many of us would be like, praise God, the angel has shown up? You know, and we'd be all fired up. Hey, the angel came and led us out of jail. And we're going to go preach the word of God. But we're not going to go back where we got arrested. Because that's not what God wants, right? We're not going to go back where where we got in trouble in the first place. Let's go somewhere else. We'll preach the the, the word of God fervently. We'll, We'll preach it with passion. But he's gotten us out of trouble here, so we don't need to go back where we got in trouble. What did the angel tell him to do? Go where? Go right back to where you got arrested. And keep teaching. I think a lot of us would struggle with that. I think a lot of us would be like, now, now wait a second, God. Wait a second. Are you sure? I mean, look at what happened last time. I mean, we've gone from, don't do this again, to, I've been put in jail. You think the third time they're going to be any more receptive? Probably not. And not only are they going to be less receptive, they're going to be more aggravated, and the punishment's probably going to be more severe. So if you take us off the board, because we keep getting in trouble, this thing's not going to grow. How often do you say no to God? I want you to think about this with me for just a moment. 
I think most of us, if I were to ask you, are you doing what God wants you to do? I believe most of us would answer that question with this phrase. I'm trying. I'm trying. But what I've learned in my own life is a lot of times that trying is just cover up for no. And I also think a lot of times we don't even realize we're saying no because the way we're doing it is saying, God, I will do what you want me to do if the conditions are right. If your will falls into what I want. If you make this easy, if you will allow me to serve you in this way, I'll serve you, but I'm not going back into the temple courts to serve you. And we don't understand why we are facing opposition. We don't understand why we're struggling spiritually. We don't understand why it feels like we're fighting against God because in our mind, we're trying But maybe that trying is just code for no. I'm going to try, but I'm going to try it my way. I'm going to try to do it the way I'm comfortable with. And when you do that, you're going to face opposition from God. You're going to face opposition from God. And you don't understand why. So maybe this morning, the soul searching you need to do is figure out what it means when you say, I'm trying to serve God. Does it mean you're really giving it your all? Or are you setting conditions in God's life? You see, I'm trying is not a bad thing, okay? It means you get it. It means you know what God wants you to do. That's part of the struggle half the time is understanding what God wants. You understand what God wants you to do. You just don't quite understand how he's going to use you to do it. You don't understand how he's going to use you to do it. But what you see here, what you see here in this particular part of our story is that sometimes obeying God, sometimes saying, yes, I'm doing what God wants me to do, means I'm going to be thrown back into the most difficult situations in life. But guess who opens doors? Guess who's by your side? Guess who gives you strength? An angel of God showed up in these guys' life and said, go do this. And when the angel of God shows up and gives you that courage, then guess what? You can overcome anything. You have, as a child of God, you have been immersed. You have been filled with the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that these apostles had dwells within you. If they can do amazing things in difficult moments, guess what? So can you. The question is, how hard are you really trying? Maybe you need to evaluate that word, try. This tells me that when I'm having difficulties, when I'm lacking in boldness, when I'm lacking in strength, I need to look for God to open up the the door. And I need to let his strength be my strength. I need to allow his boldness to be my boldness so that I can proclaim his truth in a more powerful way. Let's keep going. Verse 34. We'll skip down. A little bit. So, the comic relief here is the next day, all the leaders come back together. They go, hey, go get these apostles and bring them back in. Wouldn't you love to be the guard that had to come back and be like, they're not there? Well, where are they? They're in the same place you arrested them. 
I would love to have been a fly on the wall to watch that guy that morning. Because don't you know he was nervous as all get out. And so they're all aggravated and they're like, what are we going to do to these guys? Should we kill them? Should we do all this other stuff? And then a great man shows up onto the scene, just kind of out of nowhere in verse 34. And it's a man we're going to hear a little bit more of later. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered the men be put outside for a while. Then he addressed the Sanhedrin, Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do with these men. Some time ago, Thaddeus appeared claiming to be somebody. About 400 men rallied to him. He was killed and his followers were dispersed. And it all came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed and his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. For you will only find yourself fighting against God. I can't wait to get to heaven and figure out if Gamaliel becomes a Christian or not. Because from this statement, he gets it, doesn't he? He understands that if this thing keeps going, it's of God, and they need to pay attention to it. We never get the answer to that question. That's one of my five burning questions for God, is did Gamaliel show up and, and follow you as a Christian? I may not have to ask that question. I'm just, I'm just going to get up there and start looking for him, you know. But he gives us some pretty, pretty strong words here. There are times in our lives where we say we're going to try. But there are times in our lives where we've been guilty of just saying no, God. No. And what happens when we say no to God? What does Gamaliel say? You will find yourselves fighting against God. You will find yourselves fighting against God. Is it possible as a church for us to think we're doing the things that God wants us to do, but really and truly we're saying no to His will and we're fighting against God? Yeah, it's possible. We have to be aware of that. We have to be cognizant of the idea that we may get things mixed up. We may not do things the way God wants us to do them. And when we do that, we're going to be fighting against God. That's why the prayer life is so important. That's why our study is so important. That's why being together in fellowship and encouraging one another is so important. So that we will not be a church that fights against God. Let me give you some closing remarks here, and then the lesson will be yours. What do we learn? First, where God is moving and working, there will always be healing. Where God is moving and working, there will always be healing. I want us to be a church that heals. I want us to open our doors to the sick, to the broken of this community. There are so many people who are suffering in our small town. And this can be the place that they find Christ and his message of an easy yoke and a light burden. Let's be that type of church. 
Second is we should not be surprised when obeying God brings us into situations of conflict and opposition. We really didn't dive into that too deep. But I want you to know this morning, sometimes you may say, I'm trying, and it'd be a cover-up for no. You may say no, and both of those situations face opposition. But I want to promise you this. If you say yes to God, if you say yes to following God, I'm going to do what you want me to do the way you want me to do it, you are going to be opposed by Satan himself. It's going to come in the form of a lot of different things. But don't be surprised when you face opposition, when you face opposition as a child of God. But remember the words of Jesus. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Anything that this world throws at you, Jesus can overcome and you can overcome with him. Finally, choose to be part of an unstoppable force. Choose to be part of an unstoppable force. Gamaliel knew it. Gamaliel saw it. Hey, if this is of God, it is unstoppable. That's what I want us to be. I want us to be of God. I want us to be unstoppable. Nothing can get in our way and slow us down because the things that we're going to do is going to be of God. I hope that the Word of God finds you in a place this morning that you can be encouraged. I hope the Word of God touches you and convicts you in a way that brings you to change. Someone told me last week, this is the point of why I do what I do. Someone told me last week, They said, your sermon this morning makes me want to be a better person. I love it. Not because it's what I have to say, but because that's the point of the Word of God. To make us better people, holier people in God's eyes. And I hope this morning that you can take a step closer to that ultimate holiness. There is a God. If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. Our Sunday worship services are at 1030 a.m., and 6 o'clock p.m., with Bible classes on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to listen again, and until then, remember, we are a Church of Christ caring for our community.